the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Ron is the Word to Stand On. Welcome to the show. It's Thursday. You know that means this is the date, the edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And every weekday at 4 o'clock on AM 630, The Word, we're here to take your phone calls and answer your Bible questions or life questions. And on Thursday, ladies, this is a day we set aside especially for you. If you need any encouragement, have any questions at all for Paula, all you have to do is call. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's numerically 630-5757. You can email us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can send your questions in via our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. Once again, if you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app and just hit the call now banner and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. One more time for our main phone number. It's 340-9585. Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's hot today. It feels good. No, it's not hot. This is perfect. Perfect. Yes. Actually, give me like 10 more degrees. Okay, so. But it's good. Yeah, when I, was, when I was coming up here, it said 80. I was like, yeah, this is life right now. This is <laughs> yeah. a good life right now. Yeah. So I hope, I, now I'm, I'm told we've got another little cold front coming in for the weekend. But pretty soon the cold fronts are going to end and we won't even have to check the weather reports anymore. That's when we're in just like. That's the groundhog that's daytime perfect. where that's, it's just hot every day. Just don't even have to worry about it. Put in my shorts, shorts and flip-flops. flip-flops. There you go. I'm, I'm with doing you. good. Okay. So before we get into the program with Paul, I have a question that yesterday uh, Marilyn wanted me to um, to answer, and I didn't have any information yesterday, and I do today. It was on a preacher named Dan Moeller. And Marilyn, I told you to listen right at the top of the program. We give you, this is a hands-off guy. You don't want to go anywhere near him. He ministers in partnership with Todd White. There's all kinds of false teachings, horrible, horrible stuff, a really imbalanced, unhealthy ministry uh, in every stretch of the imagination. So this is just somebody that you don't want to spend any time with at all. Uh, He and Todd White are um, into miracles and all kinds of crazy things that that aren't real. Um, Doctrine is horrible. There's just nothing that I can recommend about the ministry. So I hope, Marilyn, that helps you very, very much. Okay, Paula, now it's your show. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Um, You know, I was thinking partly because I'm going to be doing a retreat pretty soon, and I'm kind of like preparing, so, you know, maybe. Where's this retreat going to be? In Tyler, Texas, Calvary Chapel, Tyler. Okay, and we have Galveston as well. You've got got coming up pretty soon. Mm -hmm. We have have an audience in Galveston, so you might want to keep them informed about that as well. Okay, the one in Tyler is April um, 
six is when I'm going, but they have, they're having a one-day conference, so it's April 27th. So I'm sure you can go online at Calvary Chapel, Tyler, and if you want to go, Jocelyn Macasaria is going with me. She's going to be leading worship. And then a couple of other ladies are, from our church are going to, we're going to travel together and go. So it, it'll be that's fun. That's just increased the crazy quotient. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> right. The crazy, funny quotient, you mean. Yeah, so uh, on the first day, we'll leave early from here on Friday, and we'll have that whole day to ourselves. And then the next day, you know, we'll be ministering to well, the I know other Lich- ladies. I know Lachelle is going. Yeah. So you may not be able to talk when you get there the next day from laughing. From laughing, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be lots of fun. And then... Um, the, the theme over there is uh, that times of refreshing may come upon you, and that's from Acts uh, three nineteen and twenty. And but but my um, subtitle is reboot. You know that's my word. And so um, we're going to do three three sessions on reboot. Well, time that times of refreshing. So when you reboot or reconnect with the Lord, times of refreshing can come upon you. And so today in our first half of the show um i I was i'm looking at naomi who you know her husband um because there was a a famine where they lived uh her husband said we're going to moab and he took his wife and his sons with him um and she really didn't have much of a choice and i'm sure she didn't have much of a voice either so there they go but there's no mention at all in this story that her husband Elimelech prayed and asked God, should they go there? And of course, had he, the Lord would have said no, because they weren't supposed to be in a place called Moab in the first place. So, um, you know, I was kind of thinking uh, circumstances and emotions like fear, um, of course, the famine and and. When you study, you know that their two sons were kind of sickly guys. Um, and maybe with with the famine and, you know, jobs were scarce. It's like, well, we got to do something. So they they run away from where they're supposed to be to thinking they're going to where they go next is going to be better. And that happens to us as well. You know, we oh, man, um, Things aren't going well for me here, so I'm just going to pack up my family. We're going to go somewhere else where it looks like things are, are better. And, you know, when we go out into the world with that attitude, not um, having asked God what he wants, um, the world and then also isolation from the people of God will suck the life right out of us. Yeah, let me share something first about, uh, about uh, Elimelech. Because I think this applies to so many of us, especially as men who have the responsibility of, of being the spiritual leaders of our of our home. Uh, in, in the book of Ruth, the first chapter, it says there was a famine in the land. And, and uh, Elimelech, um, you know, we, we, well, i got to feed my family. So what he did is he ran the wrong way. Um, uh, instead of running to God, he was running away from the Lord. Now, it probably wasn't his intent. And there's a there's a line in, in the first verse there that says he went to live for a while mm-hmm. in the country of Moab. And um, sometimes when we do the wrong thing, a while always turns into a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moab was only about 60 miles away from, from uh, his home. Um, but uh, while there might be food there... And I'm sure he anticipated, well, we'll go there for a while and and um, then return to, to Bethlehem. Um, the, the problem, of course, is that he never got that opportunity to return. Yeah. And in the end, he left his wife um, uh, all along right? and, and unable to care for herself. And it was because of that that over time she grew bitter. Um, what you tell me? Her name means pleasant earlier mm-hmm. when we were talking mm-hmm. about this. Mm-hmm. And and when a man doesn't do what his responsibility before God is in the New Testament, our responsibility is to wash our wives with the water of the word so that we can present her holy and blameless before the Lord on the day of judgment. Uh, when we don't do that, we see, don't we, a lot of wives turn from pleasant to bitter over time. It just sort of sucks the hope out of them. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened with 
with uh, with Naomi. You know, the the uh, I love that the opening chapter. This is a great character study that you picked to talk about uh, for the retreat uh, because this opening chapter of Ruth is is way more about Naomi than it is about Ruth. It mm-hmm. kind of gives you the background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that after I mean for a while they're supposed to live there, um, and then you know her husband dies, and then it says. She and the, her sons lived there about 10 years. So that, like you said, that little a while turns into a lot longer. And her sons, of course, married the two girls from there, and they weren't supposed to be marrying outside of, you know, their faith. And um, but So now the one thing I'm sure Naomi never wanted to happen, now she's all alone with these two daughters-in-law and, you know, um, I, I don't want to be a, a bummer here today because this story is about Naomi, but it's really about God who's, you know, not really mentioned in this story, is he? Um, I don't think so. But, no, he has made the Lord show you kindness. But God is always pursuing. His arms are always opened wide. And my encouragement for those um, today would be is, if you have isolated yourself or if you have gone away from the Lord, um, just know this. His arms are always stretched out wide for you. He just wants you to come back to him and he's not done with you. You know, I'm thinking Naomi, you know, her her, her husband, her sons are gone. And then she hears that back in Bethlehem there is food. God has providing for his people but she hears this, and it's like, what? Um, how? Why am I hearing this? Maybe some of you out there today are thinking, is Mama Paula speaking for God? Well, only from his word. He loves you, always has, and always will, and he wants you back with him. He is jealous for your Heart. He he longs for that intimate relationship that you once had with him, and so he says to Naomi, "Yeah, you hear right. You know, there's there's food here. I'll provide for you. Just come home." And so, you know, this Naomi who who left with such maybe. Okay, it's going to be fine. I'll still minister to my husband and my and my sons, and we'll be back in just a little bit. And then life happens, and mm-hmm. the hardships happen, and and now go back. Yeah, you know, Empty. Paul, one of the things that I think breaks God's heart as much as anything else. I mean, obviously, He hates judging people, and He hates sin, all those things. Mm-hmm. But because God's relationship with His people is intended to be intimate. I think when God sits back and watches men or women, it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. our context here today is Naomi, but, but when he watches men or women who once were full of passion for him, um, full of joy, full of hope, and then he watches as the hope begins to dry up, as, he, as the passion begins to dry up, and then because of circumstances and the things that happen in this world, I, I, I just can't even imagine the depth of heartbreak as God sees his people grow bitter. And we've got way too many Christians who aren't joyful, who aren't grateful, um, who who take a sort of a, an approach to life that, well, you know, it's just what happens. Life kicks you in the rear end and there's nothing you can do about it. And um, and too many of us, we, we grow content in our misery and in a perverse way misery becomes sort of our companion and at least we feel something again Mm -hmm. and I just think it breaks God's heart and Naomi is a perfect example uh, in an Old Testament picture that is very New Testament in its orientation Um, Naomi is a perfect example of that uh, in her culture, she wouldn't have had any choice but to go. She didn't have a vote. It wasn't a, a New Testament Christian home uh, where a husband and wife were partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elimelech, while we know very little about him, we know that he, he he already ran away from God instead of running to God for help. There's no record of him praying for help. Um, there was a famine, and i got to do something, and we men sometimes 
immediately think we got to take matters into our own hands and do something that's a man's job. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, as we know, the, the man's job leading the household is to make sure that he's got the heart and the mind of God, that he's enlisted the partnership of his wife. Um, um, every woman and, and children need to know that when dad moves, he's moving with Jesus. And when that doesn't happen, we've seen so many over the years grow bitter, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, his boys are watching him. And instead of, you know, once dad died, being able to turn to mom and say, Mom, you know we are supposed to be back over in Bethlehem. We need to go. Instead of doing that, they stayed there. And so the the sons are watching what the dads do. Um, but the encouraging part is that with Naomi, there was something still there um, that, you know, sometimes we think, oh, man, my fire is totally gone. And there's, God says, he'll blow on the embers. And so something must have sparked a trust in Ruth to say, you know what, you're going to go back to your people? Well, where you go, I'll go, and where you stay, I'll stay. Your your people, your people. She knew there was a difference. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. And so when Naomi realized Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So they went together. God will send somebody to encourage you or me or whoever to get up and go back home. And I love the fact when we do altar calls here um, that someone comes up and stands with the person who's maybe walked all the way from the back up to the front. That's a long walk sometimes. <laughs> and our church is not big at all. But that's one of those things of, you know what? That person says, I'm going back. I'm going to the Lord. And to have someone come alongside that is the encouragement that all of us need. And so um, Ruth is determined. She's going she's yeah. to go back. You know, I've been asked why we do that, Paula. And, and uh, somebody even said, you just want it to look like there's more people coming forward. Oh, my goodness. Which has nothing to do with that. <laughs> but, but, but symbolically, it's very important. We want people to know that, that when they make that trip from the back of the sanctuary to the front, mm-hmm. and, and that's very purposeful. We want people to come forward and make a public profession of faith. Yeah. We want them to know as they're bowing their head, many times people are in tears, um, um, and, and then they'll feel an arm around their shoulder. We want them to know that from that point forward, they're never alone again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And God so loved Naomi. His heart was so broken watching her grow bitter over the years. And actually, she became a lot like her husband was um, in the process after after his death and the death of the boys, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, he wanted to know that there's there's always somebody there, and I've got a light for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're bitter now, you're mm-hmm. in darkness now, mm-hmm. but I've got a light, and uh, I, I don't know how you picture Naomi. Uh, I'm sorry, how you picture Ruth, but uh, I picture her a lot like you in the sense that she's cheery and fun and um, faithful and loyal and all of those things, mm-hmm. and, and yet. Um, it, it's just God's light that's always shining. And that's why when I got saved 28 years ago, uh, I, I didn't know anything about Jesus except that he was real because he was yours mm-hmm. and and you you loved him and obviously he was real. Um, and that's why I cried out for Paul as Jesus. There's just, uh, I didn't have any other reference. Um, um, and and I, I think... Uh, Naomi, as bitter as she was, when Ruth said, uh, where you go, I'll go. We sing a song. Mm-hmm. Where you go, I'll go. Sing it, Pastor. No, I go. can't sing it. If I do any more than that, I think the, the FCC will close down KSLR. But um, um, there's always that light. God kept you in my home for 13 years while you prayed for me. My life was becoming very bitter, though, Pastor. Yeah, it was. But, and rightfully so. But um, um, God always has somebody there. And when Ruth thought she, I mean, when Naomi thought she was all alone, mm-hmm. um, there was one. One daughter-in-law went away. Oh, yep. But Ruth, uh, who gloriously appears in Jesus' genealogy, mm-hmm. um, a, a foreigner, a Moabitess, um, 
it was because God had her there mm-hmm. at just the right time. And that's always the case. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been praying here for many years uh, to uh, keep our hands down and our heart open and that those who do turn away and some some when they leave turn away when they turn away ugly you know from uh from the lord it's like what have you done for me lately kind of thing or if 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 i knew things were going to turn out this way why even become a christian but um that's what happened uh, can happen with people because um, even naomi says you know when she comes back she goes i went away full but the lord has brought me back empty he's made my life very bitter you know, and and so, okay. It really wasn't the Lord. You know, you went away. You know, I know you didn't have a choice, but you stayed a little longer than you should have, even after your husband died. You didn't think you had a choice, and you you know you're a sinner. And let's just let's just cut to the chase. Mm-hmm. Let's just cut I'll, to the chase. I'll let me and give the phone back. numbers, and then uh, and I'm doing this for a reason. I think maybe the Lord is is going to be speaking to some people out there and they might want to call 340-9585 for your live calls and questions or comments or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Here's what I think the Lord is going to speak to people about. Um, just like Ruth blamed God. He's been, you mean Naomi? Or Naomi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I know. Uh, um, you know, Naomi, he's, he's, been, he's made me lean is what the literal translation mm-hmm. is there. And um, um, I think there are some people who are listening today who uh, are sort of carrying a grudge against God. Why are you letting these things happen? And uh, if Naomi were her, I'd ask her the same question. But, but why is it that God gets the blame when we as families or we as individuals make choices, bad choices, and things don't work out the way we want. We don't consult God about things. We just do what seems right to mm-hmm. us. Then what doesn't go right, we, well, God, why did you do this to me? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll never understand uh, in, in, in the thinking of any Christian. I, I understand not wanting to accept blame. I understand um, that there are people who think God's job is to make sure everything is fine and rosy. But why do we blame God for the bad choices that we make for the leanness in our souls, we're typically not in the Word, mm-hmm. we're typically not in church, we're involved in serving the Lord, we're typically not men or women who spend a bunch of time in the Word of God, really learning about the height and width and depth and breadth of God's love for us, and yet the minute something goes wrong, he gets the blame. Mm-hmm. He hardly ever gets the credit when things are going great, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he gets the blame the minute things go wrong. And yeah. Um, uh, I I just felt like Paul. There's a lot of people listening who are in that place right now, and if you'd like to call, we'd be more than happy to talk to you about it. We've got a couple of people on the line now. Let's go to Marilyn in New Brunfels first on line one. Marilyn, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Uh, Pastor Ron, oh man, thank you so much. I was listening at the very top of the hour, and I mm-hmm. thank you so much for the response and um about the asking when I asked about that guy, uh, mm-hmm. whatever, Dan Muller or something. I really appreciate what you said, and thank you. I, I value uh, I value your opinion. And now my question is, I'm going to, after I ask it, I'm going to hang up and just listen because I, okay. I, my heart is troubled because is this, this is what happens, I think, a lot when people are like, you have good Christian friends and they, they think, Stuff like that is really like, like th- that's the they think that's the gospel. And my question is, how? Other than I'm deeply in prayer that the Lord would open their eyes. But gee, I mean, how do I? I mean, I don't, I don't know how to just go out and say, hey, I don't think this is somebody. You know what I mean? I mean, it's yep. so hard, and you, they just. What do I do other than pray? <laughs> Marilyn, I can hear your heart. Me beating, too. So, My goodness. Uh, thank you for that. And, mm-hmm. and, and we'll answer the time we got left. Cindy, who's on the next line, if you could wait till over the break, we would be very, very grateful and take your call right after the top of the, uh, of the break. Uh, Marilyn, a couple of things. Um, people who believe that stuff uh, have no idea what their Bibles say. 
uh, as a pastor, it just drives me absolutely crazy that people will turn on a, a television show that, or go to YouTube or something, and just while he's saying Jesus, he's preaching from the Bible. But 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 even Satan distorted the Bible when he when he tempted Jesus. There there are people out there who are in it for the wrong reasons, um, and and we have to be discerning. But it's impossible to be discerning uh, unless. Uh, we know our Bibles. Test the spirits. Not every spirit is from God. That's First John four one, and the way we test the spirit and what what the things that we're hearing is by by evaluating it according to the standard given to us by the Word of God. The, the one thing I am going to say to you, Marilyn, is is when people don't want to do the work themselves, and when they're willing to listen to anybody. And they're going to tell you, and if I remember correctly, this was somebody that was recommended to you, um, then, then don't be shy at all about going back to them saying, you know that person you recommended to me, I'm surprised you're listening to him. That guy is a false teacher. And um, 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 it, it just all you can do is encourage them to read their Bibles. They've got to be protected. And um, they may get angry with you. They may think you're judging them. But the truth is that, that you... Love them, and you know it. Jesus knows it, so that's what you do. Marilyn, thanks for calling. I hope that helps. We've got 30 minutes left in the day day edition of the show, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Cindy, we'll get you on right at the end of the break. We'll be back in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Thanks for hanging in there with us. You're listening to the word to stand on for life. Let's go to line two. Cindy, thanks for being patient and holding. You are on the air. Hi, Mama Paul. I'm Pastor Ron. I Hi, wanted Cindy. A- Hi, sweetie. This was for you. And um, first, I just want to say Monday night was so good that any ladies who have not gotten online to see it and listen to it, you really need to. This was a super study that you did. And the thing that um, my question has to do with, you knew the names of these people, like that one that had to do with the valley of cuts and bruises or broken bones or something like that. That was really interesting. And I'm wondering, is there some kind of a book that um, that has these names in it and, and then the meaning in it? And then that was basically my question today. And I'll get off the phone and, whoops, I dropped something. I'll get off the phone and listen online, okay? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Cindy. Cindy's references to Paula's Bible study Monday night uh, in the book of Judges, I think, uh, in Deborah's chapter, chapter four. So, Paula, I don't know what she was Mm -hmm. asking, and I haven't listened to the study yet. So Mm -hmm. why don't you take over? Yeah, but I was looking at I just kind of look up the definition of words. I kind of like to see what what they mean. And I think it was. um, Oh, shoot. Let me see. Uh, All right. Hoyagim or whatever. Well, there was one of the places. Oh, no. The river. Here's what I found. Oh. (laughs) That (laughs) was Siri. That was my Siri. Um, Where it was a river of dismemberment. And, I mean, that was a scary place. Who wants to go there after he's on Mount Tabor and they come down to the... uh, Oh, what's the river? Of Kadesh. No, 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 no. The... uh, Anyway, the river, well, when I looked up the name, it was... Now, when she's asking, where did you look them up? Did, was that Strong's Concordance? Uh, nope, on my phone. Oh. I just went on my phone and asked for definition of, but I can look in, sometimes I do the Bible study tools. I use Bible study tools. Um, but that's basically how I, I get it. I'll, I'll, I can't remember the... Let me get there. River Kishon, thank you. Um... The River Kishon is a river of of bloodiness and um, dismemberment where they were going to have this battle. And, and as I was teaching that, it's like the Lord asked us to come off the, the mountain down into this scary place. 
and yet the Lord has told um, Barak that God was going to give him the victory. Barak, Barak, we, Barak. We, oh we, we've discovered that Barak's name is hard to say after having Barack Obama yeah. as our president for a year. I was having a time <laughs> Monday night not saying his name, and yet um, it, it worked out okay. But thank you, Cindy. But that's it. I just look up the definition of whatever word I'm, I'm looking up, uh, whether it's on my phone, just writing the word definition of, or in the Bible study tools. And so for me to get, that gives me a picture of what what I'm teaching. So okay. anyway, that's that was it. Nothing real deep. <laughs> so, back to you. Okay, back to me. Uh, as far as, um, you know, as we have altar calls here and, and people coming to stand with another, and especially we've had people um, who've left and, and have returned, and they've they've said you know they're sorry to the Lord, whatever you know kind of thing, and sorry to you or me. But I love how you know we she's blamed God for her bitterness and her emptiness, and yet in chapter one verse twenty says twenty two it says so Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth the Moabite. So she's got a friend with her who loves her, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. You know, they went away with this severe famine, and now she comes back with an encourager in her life um, as the barley harvest was beginning. So it's not... You're not going to get just table scraps when you come back to Jesus. He's going to overwhelm you, and he's just so good. Um, it's not like for you when you worked at McDonald's. You don't have to have the trainee hat. You're the guy, you know? <laughs> just for the audience yes. sake, that was 208 years ago. <laughs> but my, my very first job was McDonald's, and I often use illustrations of mm-hmm. that kind of experience. So that's what Paula was referring yeah. to. Yeah. And so, you know, Ruth says to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anybody I find favor. And we know the story. I mean, she finds favor. Um, she gets plenty for herself, plenty to bring home to her mother-in-law, you know, and, and they finally end up saying, well, who's... who's uh, People did you glean? Whose field did you glean in? Oh, it happens to be this guy, you know, real nice guy named Boaz. Oh, Naomi. Oh, my goodness. He's been kind to us forever, you know. And I I always think when I get there is if he was so kind to you, why did you leave? You know, sometimes we're so proud that we won't ask for help or so, you know, stubborn that we got to do our own thing. Um, I I bet you Boaz would have taken care of his family. This is family. Um, Anyway, so God is good. When he he brings us back, it's not you wretch, you know. It's your full Mm eat. I think that's an important word for for some people listening, Paula. That's, you know, when when you come back to the Lord, um, your harvest is just beginning. Um, But your harvest cannot begin as long as you keep distance. Yeah. And we, we have a tendency to sort of blame the Lord, and just like Naomi did. We grow bitter. We lose our passion for Jesus. Uh, and, and he's right there the whole time saying, hey, the harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. All you got to do is come back to me. And too many of us, we want to wait for the harvest before we come back. Yeah. It's almost like, well, God, you owe me my harvest. Mm-hmm. And, and we stay in that place where God can't really help us at all. Yeah. And, you know, and for those who... Um, would come back. Sit in the front row. Sit in the front row. And and that's, Ron will explain that to you in a minute too. Sit in the front row. If you've really repented, you don't have to sit in the back and have your head down in shame. God says, no, no, no. You don't have the trainee hat on. You get to have the full, your full sonship again. Get up there. Maybe you can't do the same thing you did before, but Serve with all of your heart and the gratitude that, you know, that God would use any of us is just an amazing thing. And so, you know, one, one of the things, Paul, that you do here at the church that I love as much as anything else that you do 
is when people are new, they're visitors, or um, they, they're finding their way back to the Lord. They've been here and maybe left under not such great circumstances. And you see him again. You say, hey, come with me and sit up front. Mm-hmm. And I'll look out and I'll see somebody sitting next to Paula. And they, they look very uncomfortable, but it's Paul is sort of taken by the hand and say, come sit come with me yeah. for a church. Yeah, and I know this Megan would not mind me telling this story, but um, she she was here serving the Lord full. You know, I was just so in love with her, and um, she and her husband just doing well, so we thought. And then she went off the rails, and she stayed off the rails. She was in deep dark off the rails. And yet the one, she came back to church, and I was like, are you back? Are you back with Jesus? Are you back here? And, and she said, yes. I was like, oh, my goodness. And I gave her that hug, you know, that one of those hugs where I say, hug me like you mean it was so you have two arms around, and then I wrap a leg around them, too, because <laughs> I want to hold on to them for dear life. I don't want to let them go. I don't want to let them go from church. I don't want to let them go outside. I don't want them to be taken back. By the enemy and so but she was back and she was back and now she and um, Samuel Calvary Chapel South Anchorage so CCSA over there but oh I remember how heartbreaking that was when she was away you know and we just get a glimpse of yep. God's heartbreaking and then the joy when she returned was just immense and man I miss her. <laughs> I'll tell you. Anchorage I'll, is a long way yeah, away. I'll tell you how powerful God is. There's even a harvest in Anchorage, Alaska. Amen. But they've been there for a little over a year now and um, um, doing well. So Yeah. But when she came back and that, you know, there's others that have come back. Just come back and I'm sorry and okay, let's go. You know, don't drag your feet in shame. Don't Don't have your head down. Just... I'm sorry, Lord. And he's like, ooh, good, let's go. Harvest time. Harvest time, that's right. <laughs> Paul, let's go to Bernie, Texas, and talk with Jared on line one. Jared, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Really enjoy your show. And, uh, Thank you. I have a question, question for you, Pastor Ron. I've, I've been, you know, studying Revelation and looking at just a bunch of different things and, uh, you know, the coming of the Antichrist and all that. Now, how it's going to be a peaceful, you know, there's going to be a time of peace and, uh, you know, looking at the Middle East. And I, I've also, I've come across uh, the, uh, some some things in the, I guess, the, the, the Torah and the Talmud that I've, I've looked at called the Noahide Laws. Are you familiar with the Noahide Laws and uh, what the Jews believe? Uh, you know, and, and when the Messiah, when when they're perceived the Messiah comes, do you have any opinion on uh, that Messiah that they're going to claim? Obviously, being you know Antichrist, or have you have you read anything about the Noahide Falls? And could you explain it to me if you have? Okay, uh, Jared, I'm not familiar with the terminology, but I, I am familiar with the principle. I, I think that. The, the Jews, the reason that, that uh, Jesus was rejected the first time and the reason that he continues to be rejected by Jews is because they believe that um, the, the promises of, of God's kingdom on earth, um, ruling from the throne of David in Jerusalem, um, they all believe that those things were going to happen immediately. Uh, I think we can go back to Judas and, 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 and uh, understand that was his, his desire. Uh, he was trying to manipulate Jesus into um, forcibly taking his kingdom. And he, he thought, I'm sure, in his arrogance that, that he could construct circumstances when they came to arrest Jesus, that Jesus would be forced to do what anybody else would do, and that is to take control. And Jews have always known that the Messiah was going to bring peace. And when the peace didn't come, and their perception of peace was peace with Rome, um, peace with the world. Now, if we project that down into the Great Tribulation, um, wh- what the Antichrist, the man that we know is the Antichrist, is going to do is he's going to broker a deal. And that deal is going to be that he is, uh, you know, there's Old Testament prophecies about measuring the, the temple, uh, establishing its place. 
And he's going to determine that on the original site of Solomon's temple, he's going to determine that that sits outside the Muslim mosque that's right there uh, now in Jerusalem. And, and he's going to allow the Jewish temple to be rebuilt. And for three and a half years, there's going to be peace in Jerusalem, peace between Jews and Muslims. Uh, and the Antichrist is going to be hailed as a man of peace. Now, a couple of things about this, Jared. One, um, the first series of judgments, um, beginning in Revelation chapter 6, those judgments begin in the world, on the world, in the first half of the Great Tribulation. So it's not that there's going to be, without trouble, God is going to initiate uh, in the in the first three and a half years, uh, the first series of, of, of seven judgments. Um, but but the peace that is being spoken of is a Jewish peace, and it's peace. Uh, they will again reinstitute uh, animal sacrifices. Uh, the, the temple will function, as Jews always believed the temple did function and should function. And this man that we call the Antichrist is going to get all of the credit for that. And it's not until the, the three-and-a-half-year point in the Great Tribulation. I also want you to remember that we've got Moses and Elijah, the two witnesses who are going to be declaring that this man, the Antichrist, is a devil. They're going to be declaring that he is not a man of peace uh, until they kill him. But but at the three and a half year part, point of the Great Tribulation, um, he's going to set up the Antichrist. It's Daniel chapter 9. He's going to set up a, 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 an image of himself and demand to be worshipped. Um, that's the abomination that causes desolation. And um, that, of course, is going to r- turn Jews away from him. And they're going to run to the rock city of Petra in Jordan, where they will be preserved uh, for the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. So um, the, the uh, Noahide laws, uh, it's a Jewish Talmudic designation for seven biblical laws given to Adam and to Noah, before the revelation to Moses on Mount Sinai and consequently binding on all mankind. Uh, the idea there is that just the, the peace that they expect hasn't gonna, isn't going to come. Um, Jared, if you're asking, do, do those laws have any value for us uh, or what Jews thought or think today have any value for us? The answer is no. Um, the Jews, Paul says, a veil covers their heart. That veil is only removed when they turn to Christ. So our prayers for Jews are simply that they they would turn to Jesus just, just with the, the littlest bit of interest or curiosity, and then that veil would be ripped off and the Holy Spirit would grab them. And I've got friends who are ministering in Jerusalem. We've got uh, two different Calvary chapels in Israel, and uh, there are a lot of Jews who are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Jared, thank you. Great question. Appreciate it very, very much. I got to talk about prophecy last night, too, in our Bible study. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Paula? Okay. It's on you now. Okay, so I loved this study that we did in Hebrews where, because I need to, you know, know this thing. This is the title that you gave. Jesus gets me. (laughs) <laughs> he already has me, but he gets me. He understands me. And man, is that ever encouraging. So I put on my uh, my subtitle title prayer. Lord, help me to keep going to your well of encouragement. And so I'm going to it was in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, but we're running out of time. But I wanted to, um, uh, you know, say from verse four, 15, whatever you're going through or will go through, he gets it because he did too. And that um, Jesus was tempted beyond measure, and yet he gives us 1 Corinthians ten thirteen because sometimes we think we're tempted beyond measure um, where, you know, he will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear and when we, and then he makes it a way for us to stand up under it. And then I loved when you said this. This is what I really want to get to. Um, in Luke 4, the temptings, of Jesus directly by the devil. And um, just, you know, I think to be forewarned is to be, you know, kind of forearmed. We can be more um, aware of the attacks. Well, the the devil attacks first our immediate need 
those overwhelming ones, kind of like Elimelech. You know, they're out of food and, and, and maybe money to pay for anything, but how the devil attacks our immediate need, those overwhelming ones. Did you want to say anything? You want me to keep going? Keep going. Okay. And then two, um, he wanted to have Jesus take a shortcut that he would avoid the cross, which, you know, the preceding things was the beatings and the mockings. In the first place, you told us to go to Jesus, and at this one, for us, you know, we want to take the shortcuts too. And sometimes life is just hard, and the Lord has us go through things because he's going to humble and test us. So run to Jesus. C, um, then he tried to appeal to Jesus' pride, which he had none. And then, fourth, Satan wants Jesus to doubt God's goodness if he loved you. Why would this be happening to you? And um, same, same thing for us. His tactics don't usually change. But then you said this. When we trust the Lord, we have a power available to us that sometimes we don't believe. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. But when we trust the Lord, we have a power available to us. And then in verse 16, you... Uh, you said, so come with confidence, go freely every day without fear of what the Lord knows about us, that he will help us at just the right time. Talk to him, tell him everything. Trust. Okay, trust. This is the hard part. Trust. Patiently waiting. <laughs> you, you, sh- you shouldn't have to say both words in the same yeah. sentence. Because waiting requires patience, and, uh-huh. and patience is waiting. Yeah, so. but that's like long-suffering. Yeah. Waiting patiently. It's just like, okay, I can wait, but patiently too? Yeah, that's, that's one of the reasons <laughs> I love the, the language of the King James. Um, when, when you see patience in the NIV or some of the new translations, the King James says long-suffering. Long-suffering. And I always get to say, that means we suffer so for, for a long, long time. time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Saying, thy will, not my will be done. And, and of course, we know God wants to answer, you know, our prayers. But the devil wants us to avoid going to God because we are unworthy. But God says, no, 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 no. If you're a Christian, I've made you worthy already. So come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Mm. And so I just love that study, grace and mercy. And, and, you know, we get scared. I get scared sometimes. And yet... The Lord says, but Paul, I want you to hold firmly to your faith. You know I'm real. You know I've never failed you, not even once. Um, And, you know, put your hope in me. Don't have unrealistic expectations. Don't try to make God into, you know, a cosmic Santa Claus. Um, But let me make you, Paul, you've been praying. Lord, I've been copying your prayer wrong. Lord, make me the Christian that you want me to be. Make me the wife that you want me to be. Make me the mom, the pastor's wife that you want me to be, the friend, the neighbor that you want me to be. And, man, that's a challenge. <laughs> Good thing God's big because his he just got, it's just me praying that, but he's got all of us that he wants to answer that prayer for. Yeah, and those are prayers he'll answer. You know, Paula, it's, it's important that anybody undertaking the book of Hebrews... Um, studies enough to understand the context. And and, and we look at these verses, um, uh, Jesus gets us, he knows what we're going through, he's gone through far worse. Um, and, and because of all of that, we can come with confidence to the throne uh, of God to receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Um, you, you know, that's great and it's encouraging for us, but, but the purpose of this letter was to encourage Jewish converts to Christianity whose lives were being threatened Mm -hmm. and the persecution that they once kind of received as a badge of honor was starting to get old and they were starting to get get afraid and they were given the opportunity of the persecution stop if they just rejected Jesus and returned to Judaism and this whole book only has value if you keep that context. It's not just what we can apply these principles in our life. These are real people who are really struggling. And um, uh, Paul will write 
um, to others that that uh, he he shared in the fellowship of Jesus' sufferings. The disciples turned apostles uh, at the beginning of the of the church uh, would rejoice. They were counted worthy of suffering for the name of Jesus. And 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 what the the word is telling us in in Hebrews is that Jesus really does get us. He understands our pain. He's been there, and can walk us through it. And and the problem is we too often take matters into our own hands because we're tempted by the enemy to take that shortcut. Mm-hmm. You know the idea of of uh, glory without a cross is foreign to to the Bible's teaching. Um, there would be no resurrection without there first being a crucifixion. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is true for us. In our walk with Jesus, um, we're going to be tested. There are going to be some really difficult things. And it's through those tests and trials that we become more and more like Jesus. And you've been praying it, and I know um, we, we hope everybody's been praying it, but when you start praying, Lord, I want to be more like you, uh, there's going to be some difficulty ahead. Yeah. But don't stop praying that. No. You know, um, I had a person say, you know, when I start praying for people, bad things happen to them. So I'm going to stop praying. No, no, don't do that. that, That's such an immature approach mm -hmm. to the word. Sometimes, you know, the whatever it takes prayers, it, it affects not just the person you're praying for, but it could affect you. And so whatever it takes, Lord, because we want the people saved. And I do want to be more like Jesus. I really do. But, you know, there's some times when I put my hand up and say, oh, okay, let me just let me just catch my breath. But I, I really do want to be like Jesus. And he honors that. He honors that prayer and that heart. And so but sometimes it's hard because you get to see who you really are. But but it's supposed to be hard. I said in I think it was in that study, Paul, I said faith is hard. It's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. That's what refining is. Mm-hmm. Well, time went out while went we fast, were talking. Right? Yeah, it sure did. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. You've been listening to the Date Day edition of The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel of San Antonio and with my beautiful wife, Paula. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.